pockets of the police department, but my cash flow now enabled me to leave and I live off cash flow essentially. So are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hey guys, it is Sarah Larvey here today and you are listening to another episode of Where Should I Invest? I'm excited for today's guest, Adrian Pinozo. We talk about joint ventures, Burring, my favorite strategy. He's done a ton of those and how to refinance all or most of your money out for an ideal Burr deal. But before we get into that, I've also got a special guest. I think this is the first time I've been bringing somebody in to do the intro with me. I have my niece who is here with me for the week and I'm super excited. She's getting uh, very interested in real estate investing. So I thought I'd bring her on and uh, you guys can, can uh, get to meet patients. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Good, good. So you're reading a really cool book right now. You know, one of our favorites. What's the book that you're reading these days? Today, I've, uh, I've been reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's awesome. So you started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it sounds like, what do you think so far of that book? I think it's been helping me learn a lot more about real estate. It's been helping me learn that school doesn't teach you a lot of this. It teaches you how to be an employee, not an employer. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Now, obviously, we've, we've known you since you were pretty much born. What are your thoughts about real estate just overall? You know, and, and actually, before we go into that, how old are you? I am 12 years old. You're 12. Awesome. So, so what do you think about real estate and real estate investing in general? Well, I think that real estate is the best investment overall because there's many reasons why. Number one, if you're doing on the side, it could be the best way to fall back on. Also doing real estate is probably the best way to retire early from your other job. That's cool. There are good insights. Now, what do you want to do when you're, when you're older? What's uh, your ideal job? Well, when I'm older, I want to be a veterinarian, but I also want to own my own clinic. But first, I have to go through university. So during my time in university, I will be renting out a home that I will own. It will probably have at least six bedrooms, and I'll be renting out from people from my university. That's awesome. Cool. So it's, it's really inspiring. I mean, not all kids your age think like this, you know, so, so early on. What is it that, that you think allows you to be interested in this kind of stuff? Well, first my Aunt Sarah, because she has taught me a lot and she's actually made me more interested in this. And also that it's good learning mm -hmm. and you can learn lots. And I think it'd just be a really way to start my future. That, that is cool. So, you know, what do you do these days in school? Because right now you're, you're, you guys are doing online learning. Like what kind of st things are you learning in school? Anything, anything about business or any of that? No, we're not learning anything. We're learning math. <laughs> we're learning how to write poetry okay. in French. We're just learning how to make posters about different villages. Oh, interesting. And what do I get you to do when you come over? Well, you get me to read my book. You get me to help around the house <laughs> and you help me learn more about real estate. 
That's cool. Do you enjoy it or it, does it feel like a chore? Oh, I love it. Nice. Like, I'm not even lying. This is so much fun. That's an, another reason why I wanted to come here because I will learn so much more. Awesome. Patience, thank you so much for being uh, part of our intro and our guest. And it is really cool. Actually, I, I admire you because I did not think like this when I was 12 years old where, you know, I, I think it was probably when I was only 24, 25 that I started thinking about, you know, real estate or just investing. So it is really cool to see at 12 years old that you're already thinking like this. And, uh, and thanks for being on the show. No, thank you. So that was my niece, Patience. I mean, it is really cool to see, you know, even just talking about it, being able to influence young people to, to start thinking outside the box. So I am super excited that, uh, you know, she's, she's interested in it and, and seeing the bigger picture because this is not the stuff that they teach us in school. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Adrian Pinozo and don't forget the Burr Freedom Community. You can still access it. Uh, it is month to month, two calls a month until the end of the year. Go to sarahlarby.com, Burr Freedom Community, and you will get the details. And now let's bring in Adrian. Adrian, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you, Sarah? Good, good. I'm excited to have you on. Right before we were talking about cottages, we might, uh, we might circle back on that. But uh, for those that may not know who Adrian Pinozo is, give us an overview of, uh, of what it is that you do. And when it comes to real estate investing, what is your strategy? Yeah, thanks. So um, I started investing in real estate uh, nine, 10 years ago now. And um, I uh, was a police officer at that time, uh, working in the GTA, and uh, my real estate investments, essentially um, buying predominantly in the city of Hamilton, enabled me to financially uh, retire early after completing 21 years of service and uh, focus strictly being a full-time investor, uh, essentially. So been at the game with respect to investing now for a total of yeah, nine, 10 years. And we now own myself and my um, joint venture partners. Uh, we're now at 54 multifamily homes, which is equivalent to just over um, 207 doors. Congratulations. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite a run. It's been quite, quite a, a wild uh, run. And things for us really, really took off in 2017 when the market was on fire and um, everybody wanted to get into the market. So things kind of exploded us in 2017. And that's when I left the police department. So it's been about three and a half years now that I've left policing and uh, focused predominantly on um, being a full-time investor and joint venture partnerships. So you joint venture with multifamily, like do you burr them or do you, are they more buy and hold multis or how is that all working out? Yeah, good question. So we burr and we're more generational wealth, long-term wealth uh, with respect to real estate. So we don't flip them. Uh, we obviously buy distressed and then being in the market and uh, as long as we have, our analysis is pretty tight with respect to if we buy it at this much and we put in this much, this is what the end of the rainbow will show us. And um, uh, we actually started a company doing that, uh, Executive Capital, where we predominantly just look for joint venture partnerships and use our expertise to help people who don't have the knowledge, the time, the experience to 
have a burr that essentially is going to produce 9500% return on investment. Okay. So is it fair to assume that like they bring the money, they hold the financing, you essentially find the property, you know, do the legwork on, you know, managing the, the renovations if there's any renovations to do and mm-hmm. um, managing the property manager that manage the tenants? Exactly. I think that's pretty well hit the nail on the head. They're bringing the capital and they're able to qualify for the lending component. And then we are facilitating, obviously, finding that awesome distressed property and then facilitating the, um, the renovations through our, uh, we actually own our own construction company as well. So we facilitate those rentals through our construction company. And then ultimately our analysis will show here's our projected refinance amount, which equates to extracting most, if not all of our capital at the refinance portion. So at the first refinance, so after you refinance, let's just say three or six months out, are you running the numbers based on something where you're paying back all of your holding, all your rental costs and, and all your down payment as well? So like a, a burr in one, which is what I call like it. Yeah. Perfect burr. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's our analysis. And again, just the expertise of being in the market as long as we've had, and we've done probably 40 plus burrs over the span of our career. So our analysis will show again, yes, we're able to extract our 20% down payment, our carrying and holding costs, and uh, ultimately our renovation costs that we injected into the project. I mean, that's hard to do, right? Because when you're talking about the burr strategy, and I've been doing it as well, like, yes, the whole, the, you know, the burn ones happen, but very common, you're leaving something, right? Whether it's like 20 grand of your original 150, as an example, there's, you know, I find that to get the perfect one in this market today. And I mean, you know, let's, let's talk about it. You can definitely give me your, your point of view on it, but it's hard. It's hard to do where you're getting everything back and then making profit. Sometimes I find that there might be 10 or 20 K or something left in that deal from originally, but you know, what, what are your, what's your take on that? I'm, I don't want to sound pompous, but uh, we're batting 99% about okay. uh, getting all of our capital out. But that being said, like you made a good point, you know, if you're leaving 10 or 20K in a house that just refinanced for 900,000, that's an incredible return on investment regardless. You know, right. even if you leave 50K in on a house that you bought at 500 and now you've refinanced for, let's just say 900 or 850 and you have that, you have that asset, that acquisition that now you have 30 grand in, it's still incredible return on your money, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because at at the end of the day, you look at the cash flow, the the mortgage pay down, the appreciation, like moving forward once you've recouped your money. And so if you've got, you know, let's just call it 20K left in the deal, but your mortgage pay down is $7,000 a year, you know, on principal, your cash flow is X. I mean, you're, you're likely, you know, getting that, that insane return on that 20 K that you have left once you, once you've pulled everything out as an example, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I say, you know, to a lot of people we work with our goal, obviously our, our, our ultimate goal is to extract every single dime uh, that we injected into the project um, right from the get go. Should we happen to leave, you know, like you said, 10, 20, 30 K, here's what the return still looks like, which is still incredible return in comparison to, let's just say buying turnkey or some other investment avenue that you may be thinking of. Yeah. So where are these? Are these in Hamilton, the GTA? Like where are most of the properties that you're buying? Hamilton. Okay. So all Hamilton? Pretty much 99 
percent are all Hamilton. And, you know, it's, I think uh, we're going to start looking at other market centers, i.e. Kitchener-Waterloo, Brantford is, is definitely on the radar as well and whatnot, London. Um, but right now, you know, if, if I were to say, if I were to say, where's my expertise in, in getting these kind of results, definitely Hamilton. Okay. And now are these on market, like on MLS, or are you finding the deals some other method? Both on and off market. So our reputation kind of has grown within the Hamilton uh, market center. So a lot of different investors will call us and basically say, Hey, you know, I'm I'm ready to throw in the towel. I don't want to be a landlord anymore. Or I heard, you know, my friend is selling his triplex or fourplex. So off market stuff like that. We also have an inside sales team that is consistently cold calling and door knocking. So we're getting leads that way. And obviously, lastly, just like everybody else, uh, we're, we're interested in stuff that's on the market as well, if the numbers are right. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Okay, awesome. That's good. So, so you know, you're keeping all your options open and uh, looking for that, that deal in many avenues. That's awesome. To go back and, you know, for some people that, that may or may not know, I don't fully always advertise it, but my, my boyfriend right now is still working as a police officer and he's not, so he's not into real estate, right? Like he, he supports me and he's not as passionate as, as I think you were. And I think that's going to be part of it too, is you know, he probably, if he retires, he's probably not going to do, you know, I shouldn't say a whole lot, but it's going to be like his martial arts or different things, right? right. So when you retired, because at the end of the day, like there is a pension that comes with being a police officer that you get after a certain amount of years, which is, is a pretty good amount. Like how, 
How did you handle that? So for people with pensions that are thinking, okay, I, you know, I could quit or I could leave, you know, what did you do with your pension? Did you just take a lower amount as an example? Did you cash it out and reinvest it in, you know, maybe mortgages or something like, are you able to share what you did with yeah. that? Yeah, for sure. So I hired with respect to my pension. Yes. I took an early buyout essentially, because I didn't complete my uh, typical 30 years on the job. I completed 21. So obviously I had a reduced payout, for example, I hired, um, because obviously that money's taxable, right? So you're going to get this big lump sum, you know, let's say it's a million dollars. You're going to get a million dollars as your payout after 21 years of policing. And now that's taxable. So obviously hiring the right person with respect to how much should you put in RSPs? How much should you put in a Lira account? How much should, how much are they holding here and there and whatnot? It's really um, a, an area that I think you need professional help with to make the right decisions. So you avoid um, as much, avoid paying as much tax as possible. So right now that money essentially for the most part is all in different pockets. There is a small amount of money that I did keep free and clear to reinvest in real estate, but the bulk of it is invested um, in different portfolios, if you will. Right. So essentially you took the cash payments that you could use to reinvest yourself. Correct. Rather, yeah. rather than that ongoing, you know, annual or monthly pay. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, that's interesting. I mean, you know, there's probably so I, I will say, you know, pensions, there's not many professions that still have pensions. The ones that you, you have as a, I think it's a defined benefit, right. Versus a defined contribution. And I think right. the big yeah. difference is like at the end of like somebody like a, a police officer, they get a certain amount per year, regardless of how they had invested it, you know, along the way. Defined contribution uh, is probably more common in the business realm today where you actually make contributions and your, your money grows, but it's not like you're guaranteeing yourself a salary per se upon retirement. I think that's that's a big difference there. And I'm sure there's yeah. lots of other differences too. And I think I, I was in that position because the decisions I made with my real estate investments ultimately produced me a certain amount of cash flow a month that I live on. And I've been able to use that uh, cash flow to make that decision saying, yes, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to leave a job that I loved. I really, really enjoyed being a police officer and um, it was a really, really good go. I, um, I did well. I, I got so much experience working in so many different pockets of the police department, but my cash flow now enabled me to leave and I live off cash flow essentially. So the, the money, the bulk money I got from my payout, essentially I can keep in that nest egg for, you know, when I'm 55 or 60 or whatever, I, I don't really need it at the moment at all. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's really good insight. So, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about cottage rentals and cottages and, you know, you were mentioning that you have one as well that you, uh, that you Airbnb. Can you share a little bit about uh, how you got into the cottage property and, you know, what your strategy is? Yeah. So it was, um, we, I, I grew up in this certain area. My parents would rent a cottage every year and um, it, it's on Georgian Bay. So in the North End between let's just say Midland and Wasega. And every year we went up every summer and my parents couldn't afford to buy a cottage. So we rented one 
religiously on the same stretch of road that ultimately we bought a cottage on. So we used essentially the, the proceeds from cash flow and refinancing one of our properties. We used that equity to reinvest it in a childhood dream that I had basically saying, when I grow up, I want to buy a cottage on this stretch of beach. And um, ultimately, that's exactly what I did. And again, going back to the choices I made with real estate investing, there's no way I could have ever done that and been able to afford that without that, the, the real estate investing component that enabled me to financially afford it. So now we Airbnb it to, to help pay for the expenses, obviously. And, you know, prime time, summertime, like we were discussing your cottage and our cottage, prime time, summertime, we're charging, I think we're getting, give or take, 5800 uh, a week, prime time. Mortgage payment is like 3500 a month. So there is some cash flow there as well. Obviously, our goal with, with renting it was just to cover the expenses. Right. Um, so we rented enough just to essentially cover our expenses for the year um, with respect to the mortgage and hydro and stuff like that. And, and you can enjoy it in between. What's that? And you can enjoy it in between, right? It's like and your cottage that other, other people are, are paying for you to be able to enjoy with your family and your friends. Exactly. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better. So at the end of the day, you know, we've had it for about a year and a half now. I want to say it's probably up. It's COVID and everybody wants a cottage now and head north, probably up 150 grand uh, since we bought it. Again, another example of, you know, time, time in the market and not necessarily time in the market. So long-term wealth, we're up 150K, you know, in a year and a half. Where do you see those kind of returns? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors. On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White's Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the rhino part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's going to cost and what renos are going to be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget, 
which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whitealmdesignbuild.com. That is whitealmdesignbuild.com. Or you can send them an email, joel, J-O-E-L, at white elmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Good luck on your next projects. Now back to the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. The cottage rental like market right now is insane, but, but you look everywhere else and it's still insane. At some point it's going to take a bit of a slowdown and there's not really as much, much activity per se. Usually I find most of my deals between like November and, and February a lot of estate sales and just more motivation during those months because people plan to sell in the spring so that like they can move in the summer or whatnot. But yeah, it's uh, we're going into a good season for hopefully for, for buying some good deals. So speaking of deals, can you walk us through like maybe the last one that you purchased just as like an overview of like what the numbers looked like, how much you bought it for, rental cost, holding cost, refi amounts, um, yeah. And how your JV split worked. I, I have something here. Give me one second, just so I can reference sure. one of our most recent ones. And also how you how you came across that deal too would be good. Great. So this was about, this was just before COVID. Prices again now, we can touch on that later if you want, but prices uh, since COVID first came out back in March, April, whatnot. Prices since then have like, gone crazy. I don't know where, where you're looking and where you prefer to invest, but in Hamilton, since COVID, I would say, you know, since March to now, I would say prices are up at least $80,000, at least in multifamilies from what I'm seeing and what we're kind of, we have our eye on. Anyhow, so we bought this property, um, four self-contained units distressed for 500000 Again, this is pre-COVID, you're never going to get this at $500,000 now. It was on the market and uh, we snagged it pretty quick. So obviously 20% down of 500,000 is 100,000. So we have a first mortgage of 400. We spent a total of $180,000 in renovations. For four units. For four units. So, and it was Pretty well, we're talking everything, kitchens, bathrooms, flooring, lighting, electrical, plumbing, windows, all brand new windows, quite extensive renovations. Seven months later, um, we forced appreciation. So now the property got appraised for 894000 Seven months. So we took it from five to eight ninety-four. That's awesome. So working the numbers backwards, ultimately, I'll just cut to the chase. Ultimately, this particular project, we extracted all of our capital with the new appraised value. Plus, we, were had, we had a surplus of $10,200. Right. So property, after you paid back sorry. your reno and your holding costs and everything else. Right. So property, essentially, we got paid $10,000 for buying this house and renovating it. And ultimately, this property cash flows $1,250 a month. So no capital in, $1,250 a month, positive cash flow. That's after 
obviously expenses and property management and um, not including debt pay down, appreciation, um, so on and so forth. So again, like it's I said, an infinity rate of return. <laughs> rate of return. Yeah. So, so how are the, is the JV split? Is it a 50, 50, or do you have another arrangement with most of your JVs? 50, 50. Yeah. And do they, so do they do the first refi, you pay them back first and then profits once they're made whole essentially is split 50, 50. Correct. They're onwards. Yeah. How long do you typically hold properties for? We ask uh, when we do get into business with somebody, we're typically asking for a minimum of five years as far as a commitment. Obviously, if something drastic happens and life changes drastically, you know, we can definitely negotiate an earlier sell. But typically, it's, it's a five-year commitment. And on top of that, we typically don't. Like a lot of our partnerships, again, we have no capital in. We're cash flowing. We have debt pay down. Realistically, there's, there's really no reason to sell. And obviously, as you already know, the Burr strategy, it's tax-free. The only time you're paying tax is obviously when you sell it. So if we have all these wonderful things that are happening with this property, there's really no benefit unless, again, life changes and you just want to cash in. There's really no extreme benefit to, to sell it. Okay. Well, some good insights for sure. I mean, you've done, like you said, 50 and change of, of these JVs. So you've got a great amount of experience. Now, if somebody comes to you and says, I want a JV, like, is there like a minimum requirement of like cash or, or financing ability that, you know, they need to, to have in order to JV? Is that an, and, and is that a discussion that you have um, initially with them? And is there anything else that you require? Yeah. So good question. I'll tell you on average, every project's different, obviously, but I would say on average, what we're getting into and in my I really love the fourplexes um, because cash flow again is like 12, 1300 bucks a month at the end of the day. So I can comment on a fourplex. And again, our rentals are pretty deep because we're buying pretty distressed properties. I would say on average, 250,000 is what they need access to, whether it's coming from a, a home equity line, a line of credit, savings, RSPs, wherever it's coming from, I would say on average 250 and that would cover the down, uh, the down payment and uh, the rentals. Okay. Well, I'm guessing it's not RSPs because they're likely going to be on title, right? Correct. Yeah. So just maybe like a tax-free savings account that they want to reuse, but, but yeah. HELOCs are a good option or, or just cash. So essentially 250K and they need to qualify. Like, do you, do you send them through a mortgage broker to, to get qualification first? Like how, what do you, what do you do with that? Yeah, we put them in touch with one of our preferred mortgage brokers that we work with and they'll go through the qualifying, jump through the hoops, and then ultimately we'll get the green light and say, okay. I mean, if we're buying, like I said, stuff now, you know, distressed, four units, you know, you're anywhere between 550 and 600,000. The market is, is really, really hot right now. It's a seller's market. So, I mean, if you're buying it at 550, already you're 20% down, then you got to think of now you need the money to renovate all this stuff. So we want to be refinancing mid 900s. So again, it'd be important to tell your mortgage broker, you know, obviously the projection. Yes, we're looking at north of 900,000 on a refi. Do I qualify? For that amount, exactly. Not the, yeah. not the lower amount to purchase because then on the refi, you're not going to be able to pull the money back out. Yes, exactly. Awesome. So 
What's next for you? I mean, you're, you're clearly really successful at what you currently do. Do you have any, any plans, you know, either to accelerate the business or to slow down or like, what's your, your, your forecast on that? Yeah. So I think, you know, ultimately the plan is to, uh, sip a margarita in the Caribbean and log in on my laptop and um, check up on all my stuff and have a team in place here that takes care of everything. But right now I still love what I do. I'm still young. I'm still energetic. I think we've built a really good brand and a really good strategy. So I still have a few years left that I really want to continue to crush it before I totally disappear to the Bahamas, so to speak. Yeah. So I'm still really engaged with my joint venture partners. We're still really proactively looking for properties. Is there an end in sight? Absolutely. Probably not for at least three years, I would say. I, I, I can still keep this, this momentum going. And then ultimately, uh, yeah, like I said, take off for the winter months somewhere and enjoy the, enjoy the warmth. And then um, That's the dream, spend right? summers at the cottage. What's that saying? Live life on your own terms. Yeah, your life, your terms, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's good, uh, good foresight there. And have you ever, you know, do you keep in touch with your fellow, you know, pre- prior police officer colleagues? And are, are they interested in like following your footsteps or getting into real estate? Or do they do they think you're crazy? <laughs> There's there. Yes, I keep in touch with them. I miss the kind of camaraderie of the police department. Obviously, this business is, is a whole different kind of line of work. But yeah, I miss the guys. I do keep in touch with them. There's one thing about police officers, you probably know from your, your boyfriend or whatnot. They're very skeptical. And if you can, they're very, they don't trust a lot of people because just of the nature of their job and always dealing with negativity in their job. But if you, I've been able to bridge the gap, just having the police connection where, hey, like I'm, full transparency, look at me and look what I've done here. Here's all, ask me for any you know piece of paper. I can prove to you that this is all legit. So I've been able to bridge the gap with quite a few of them who now are joint venture partners, but some, you know, cops, they, no matter what you tell them, they'll always just think, ah, I don't trust, I don't trust or, or whatnot. So you can only, you can only work with so many people regardless. Yeah. I mean, chances are they probably were called it to some type of, you know, tenant landlord call at some yeah. point in their career. <laughs> yeah. And they see, you know, the worst of the worst tenants, which obviously it's not our kind of tenant profile, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but no, I, I do keep in touch and I have joint ventures with quite a few of them now who have kind of jumped on the, jumped on the train and said, yeah, let's, let's go. Very cool. Awesome. Adrian, we are going to go to the next part of the podcast, which is our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I don't like when you do this, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) All right. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? I got it right here, actually. One second. It's called The 4-Hour Work Week. 
Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Great book. You know, I, I've committed to myself that I'm going to read that once a year. Yeah, I love it. I always read it every time I go away on vacation. Hasn't been lately. But when I go on away on vacation on a plane, I always bring it and just read it on the plane there and back twice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I brought it to uh, my last trip to the Dominican and I was reading it on the beach there too. And But every time you read it, like it's like more stuff clicks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Number two, I don't know if you are a podcast listener, but what podcast is your favorite podcast that you listen to the most? I have, I have three. Obviously, The Right Club. I have uh, listened to quite extensively, actually my business partner, Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast with uh, Rob Drake and Sandy McKay. And lastly, I like Andrew Hines' podcast as well. Obviously, um, he's a, a wealth of knowledge as well. But uh, that I would say, obviously, yourself with The Right Club, uh, Breakthrough Real Estate Investing, and Andrew Hines. Okay, awesome. Yeah, great podcasts. Number three, what do you do for fun when it's not real estate? Love to work out, love to go out for dinners, love to be at the cottage and stare at the water and sip champagne. Okay. Awesome. Seiko, actually, for Seiko. <laughs> there you go. Number four, if you lost all of your money, all your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? That's a really good question. How would I start again? I would use my experience and knowledge in real estate and convince people again to partner with me as I'm a wealth of experience and knowledge and can make them super successful, long-term wealth in real estate. And final question, question number five, if somebody has $50,000, that's all I have, but they want to get started, how would you recommend that they do so? I would uh, combine my 50,000 with a very close friend or family member and make it 100,000. And I would invest in a small real estate project or investment that me and my brother could afford to do on our own and hold that property as long as we can and have it appreciate. Very cool. Adrian, thanks for playing the lightning round. Thank you for also being on the show. Now, where can the listeners reach out if they wanted to speak to you, know more about what you're doing, where can they go? can call me at uh, 416-938-2641, executive properties, IES, at rogers.com is my email. You can email me anytime and uh, we can connect. Awesome. And I always ask this for the very end, any final last words of advice? If you do one thing at all and you're going to invest in anything at all, invest in real estate and forget and just let it build over time and forget you even have it invest in real estate adrian thank you so much for being on the show it was a pleasure getting to know you more and uh thanks for all the insights cheers have a great weekend hey guys before you go i wanted to ask you a question what's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons, and at the time, they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away, and eventually, only one reason remained, 
What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.